0: Hey everyone, David here. I want to tell you about my music podcast, On Rotation. It's engaging, interactive, and insightful.
1: Music Mm -hmm. interlines with everything. It's something that always rings true to me. So when I need something to kind of root me, I can always go back to music in a sense, you know? Yeah.
0: Join me each episode as we rotate through a number of topics and hear why it's the podcast that's always on replay and never on repeat. Listen to On Rotation wherever you get your podcasts. I think it's possible to overstate the extent to which the music one listens to actually has an effect on the music you write. You could take some portions of the song and be like, hey, this could remind me of this certain situation or this situation. That's when an artist can stay true to themselves with being honest with their lyrics. I feel like that's my favorite part of songwriting is being able to look back and really understand how I was feeling and you know what my perspective was on different events in my life.
1: And it's out of my control. I just want to see the sun burning again, I just
0: want to feel some warm my skin. Hey everybody, what's up, what's happening? You're listening to On Rotation, the podcast that's always on replay and never on repeat. Thank you so much for joining us today, my name is David, I'll be your host and lovely guide. From meeting Brian McKnight at Berkeley to getting his first Grammy nomination... Matt Cuson has had a lot of career highs, but honestly, nothing compares to how hungry he is to keep making music and get more awards. I caught up with Matt to talk about everything from his humble beginnings in Western Mass to working with some of the biggest names in the industry. Matt Cuson checking in on the podcast. Matt, how are you?
1: I'm good. How are you? I appreciate you having me.
0: Yeah, of course. I appreciate you coming on. We were just talking about before we got recording about how you were born and raised in you know the Berks Massachusetts so Mm -hmm. I'm curious a little bit to know like how your story basically goes from you know for people that aren't familiar with like Pittsfield and all that it's a very kind of small community very rural how do you go from you know working in your immediate community like somewhere small in the Berks to now being a Grammy nominated artist like that's that's kind of a big jump I feel
1: (laughs) it's cool yeah no it's um Man, I owe a lot to the Berks. The Berks is a beautiful place to live. There's so much music and art here. And growing up, I grew up in a very musical family. And uh, my dad, uh, although eventually became an insurance man, he was a choir director and arranger and a songwriter and a piano player. Mm -hmm. My mother was a classical pianist and had about 70 students most of my childhood. So it was eight to 6 p.m. every single day, <laughs> classical exercises that I would then go imitate when I was, you know, five years old on the piano. Right. Uh, I was constantly banging on the piano. I had a drum set. I played drums for a couple of years. Uh, and I always sang. My brother listened to like the singer songwriter, rock stuff, Billy Joel and all that. My sister listened to the uh, Stevie Wonder, R&B, Earth, Wind & Fire. So, and my dad was a jazz head. So, mm-hmm. and I'm 10 and 12 years younger than my brother and sister, I was kind of a mistake oh right uh yeah the surprise (laughs) however you want to say it yeah um so I think I was just a like you know a a, a petri dish of everything coming in on me and and soaking up this jazz music and soaking up the the hand and exercises my mother would teach her five-year-olds and the the fur releases that the you know the older uh students would play and I think I just soaked it all up and Mm -hmm. honestly there was never a moment I didn't want to be a musician as far right. as I can remember it was right. always music and then you start getting now I started singing at weddings and funerals and and little corporate events and I my first open mic night my first performance ever in front of people was when I was 10 at a little club in Lenox Massachusetts which is in the Berkshires as well man from there it just it became I went to Berkeley yeah um and that opened up so many doors that's where I met Brian McKnight and started working with yeah. him and yeah, and I, and I dropped, and I, you know, I did the L.A. and the New York thing. Um, I lived in L.A. for probably a total of five years broken up, and I lived in New York for oof, so many years, 10, 12, 13, 14, I don't even remember. You know, so I did that, but the, I miss those cities um, for sure, and I visit them constantly. But the good thing about music these days is you can kind of do it from anywhere, especially if you're a studio musician. I do more stuff in my home studio. I'm at my parents' house right now. But uh, I do more stuff in my home studio than I still tour, but I, most of my work is at home anyways, and you can outsource, you know, I did a song with somebody from Spain right. last week, I did it. Yeah, so it, that, that's kind of the cool thing. So it's just a matter of one fan at a time, one gig at a time, since I was, you know, 10, pretty much.
0: Yeah, yeah, you were hustling, from what it sounds like. <laughs> from day one, from, from day, day one, because
1: music is not, it's, you know, it's not, especially the way it is these days, it's not easy, so. Oh, yeah, no, uh, definitely, yeah.
0: I want to talk a little bit more about your relationship with brian mcknight because from what i saw he was kind of like a mentor to you in a way correct
1: big time time. yeah he met him when i was 18 in boston he was in town doing a a celebrity basketball game Mm -hmm. and he wanted to stop by berkeley no but he's a phenomenal musician brian mcknight a lot of people just know him for his pop hits that Mm -hmm. dude plays like Oh my God. And sings like, like, and just, he's, he's one of those guys that just like, Oh, I hate you because you do everything amazing. (laughs) Uh, So at the time his musical director, Rob Lewis, who I owe a massive amount to my career as well. uh, Rob was supposed to produce my demo when we Mm. used to make demos and send them to record labels back then.
0: Yeah. The good old days. (laughs) The good old
1: days. Yeah. So before we even started working on it, he hit me up and was like, Hey, you know, McKnight's in town. I know you're a fan. Uh, He's going to come by Berkeley if you want to come meet him. And I was, of course, like, you know, freaking out. And and uh, I went into this practice room and he walked in and there was about 12, 13, 14, 15 people in there. And about an hour in of everybody just kind of playing, talking, asking questions. Rob was like, I want to hear Matt sing. So mm-hmm. I got on the piano and sang. I was as nervous as I could ever be. And <laughs> about 20 seconds into me playing and singing, Brian gets on the phone. I'm like, oh, he he thinks I'm terrible. This mm-hmm. is this is this is annoying to him. Right. I finished my song and he was like, As soon as you opened your mouth, I had to call my manager and say, You got to hear this guy. Mm. And then I called my my wife and I had to And so literally that night we talked, he was like, What are you trying to do? I was like, I just want to play music. Mm. And I literally dropped out of Berkeley that night and <laughs> flew to LA to his house the next day, stayed for a couple of weeks, signed, signed a little deal with him and and wrote a bunch of tunes with him. It's it was pretty surreal how that whole yeah. story worked itself. And then, you know, things fizzled, stuff passed, and Years later, I ended up touring with him as a keyboard player, opening act, and a background singer for
0: eight years or so. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really that is really the epitome of like right time, right place. It sounds like big time, especially. I was pretty obsessed with him in my
1: teenage years. His first couple mm. albums had really. I remember when I heard him, I was like, "That's how I want to sing and play." Mm. When I was like, I, I was only like eight when I first heard him, but I, I, I basically lived with his music for. Yeah. my entire teenage you know outside of all the other stuff I listened to he was just one that kind of stuck out for me
0: yeah that's so funny you say that too because I was listening to your stuff earlier this morning and I said mm-hmm. once I saw the name Brian McKnight you know on your bio mm-hmm. I was like yeah I hear it like I hear it in your music
1: yeah there's a few tunes that are definitely there's actually a song he wrote on my first record that that I did with a friend my friend Shoshana Bean and uh but there's 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 been times where people would say you sound just like they used to call me brian mcwhite when
0: i was a teenager <laughs> <laughs> so i i shook that
1: name um but that's not a bad guy to be compared
0: to right no yeah definitely and then yeah. i mean you from looking at you too like you wear so many hats like you've done i do like you said sing songwriting singing mm-hmm. directing arranging like do you do you have one that like you kind of prefer over the others? Because you said you kind of started out more
1: mm. like in the
0: singer songwriter lane, but now as we're yeah. talking about like the Grammy nom for How Deep Is Your Love, mm-hmm. like that was arrangement. So do you kind of like float right. towards one more than the other, or is it all like a hodgepodge?
1: Um, I I, I you know as long as it's music, I want to do it all. I've I've been saying that since I can remember. I I, I my goal when I was at Berkeley was I want to one day be a one stop shop for artists mm. to come. If they need a singer, piano, producer, arranger, I mix now, so mixing records, I, I, I wanna be that one guy that I can take you from the beginning of an idea to put the music out. Yeah. And I kind of honed all those skills, concentrating on different ones at different times, but arranging, obviously singing and piano playing, th- that's always been, in producing, those have always been those four things. That's a terrible answer to your question. There's not one, there's not one that I love, but uh, it's, But I spend equal amount of time on it, each thing.
0: Right. Right, yeah. And that's, does that kind of differ or vary between artists? Because same thing, like, looking yeah. at the number of people you've collaborated with, like, just to name mm-hmm. a few, like, Christine Aguilera, Anderson .Paak, Dua Lipa, like, you know, are there certain artists or certain roles that you kind of take more on with working with a specific person?
1: For sure. So with, like, Christina Aguilera, I was hired to sing um, that song, Say Something as a duet with her during her shows. Mm-hmm. And then I sang background for her for the other, you know, however many songs that were in the show. And uh, that was, was pretty nerve wracking for me. Um, uh, it was a dream, but I, I, I'm, I'm a nervous ball. <laughs> I've, I've never been the guy like, yeah, I got this. I'm gonna go, and I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm the nervous guy. But that was all singing and playing. Anderson Pack was playing keys and key synth bass. Yeah, every, every gig I did is is something different. And I kind of like that. There, maybe there's a little part of me that wishes I should have just concentrated on piano and I would have <laughs> been way better piano at this point in my life and putting out jazz records and this and that but every project I do is different is asking something different of me and I kind of like that it kind of it, it it makes all my skills go up and it and it yeah. it's fun for me it's totally fun I don't just do one thing I kind of enjoy it and maybe after a while I spread myself too thin and it's a bad thing but as of right now I'm thin and loved, right exactly and not weight wise but
0: <laughs> right spreading yeah, myself I'm- thin yeah yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, like it all goes back to that earlier component you said about being like a one-stop shop for musicians. So it sounds like you're kind of achieving that, you know?
1: Getting there, yeah, getting there for sure. I'm. Um, there's a couple projects I'm working right now where it is literally they're sending me voice messages of song ideas. And we're writing the song, I'm producing and mixing it, and we're putting it out. Like there's a couple projects I'm working. On, and there's a couple projects that I'm doing. That I'm just playing keys on or singing background on, like trying to do it all, man. And especially yeah. for musicians these days with. You know our pay scale going down and down and down as far as royalties and and mm. all that. I think the more you can do, the better the better chances you have of working.
0: Yeah, exactly. Kind of increasing your longevity too in the industry.
1: For sure, for sure.
0: Well, I kind of want to talk a little bit more about how deep is your love. Like I said, it's mm-hmm. nominated for best arrangement, instrumental, acapella for the Grammy. So first of all, congratulations on that. Like, that's thank deep. you so much. I'm sure you're very excited. I also may have read that you were a little. You were excited to hear the news, but you kind of wish a certain someone was there when you got it.
1: Yeah, my, so when I heard the news, I, first of all, it was such a long shot for me. I was like, I'm not even going to watch the, the nominee. Plus, I had a two-year-old. I would have watched that two-year-old running around the house. Right. And we have, we have to watch, you know, Peppa Pig. Uh, so, uh, yeah, my wife was working in New York City. I believe it was New York City. And so she wasn't here. And when I, my wife is in entertainment as well. She's an actress and a Mm -hmm. a model. And when I got the news, my phone started blowing up. And I was like, what's happening? And it was one of the guys from King's Return called me a couple of times, texted me a couple of times. And then I just got a ton of texts saying, congratulations, congratulations. I was like, what's going on? And I remembered, (laughs) oh, the nominees were announced this morning and I I texted my wife, I called her and she texted me. She's like, I can't talk right now. We're about to go on set. And I said, I'm nominated. And she called me right back. She's like, "They can wait. This is incredible. So yeah, I wish she was here because, you know, these kind of moments you want to spend with the uh, with loved ones. But my daughter was here and she has no clue what any of this means. But <laughs> it, it was fun to hug her and, and uh, pretend that my wife was here.
0: Yeah, it still made it special, at least that is sweet. For yeah. sure. And
1: my dad was here we, again, was at my parents house when right. when my wife works, I come to my parents house and they can spend time and I can get a little help, you know, with yeah. the babysitting and all that. So. Yeah, uh, my parents were here and that was that was really great cuz they they've supported me since day one. So for, for them to be there for that it was pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, that is awesome. How did the song kind of come to be too? Like I think mm-hmm. before this song and you started recording it with, you know, Kings Return, you were kind of doing more live stuff. Like you I think you just came off of tour not that long ago with Christina. Mm-hmm. So where about did this kind of fall in? Because I think that was also around the time COVID happened. So you were kind of forced into the studio, weren't you?
1: Yeah, it was a crazy moment. Yeah, I was, I was, I always worked in the studio and and over the past, I would say five, six, seven, eight years, i have trying to gear more towards there. I used to tour with Brian and CeeLo Green and a bunch. And I kind of stopped doing that to tour with just a couple chosen artists, Megan Hilty for one, who is one of my dear friends and uh, Dave Kaz uh, for his, Tours we're going on to Europe in uh, May, which I'm psyched about. But um, it hit yeah yeah. So I was on tour with Christina Aguilera. Right after that, I did a, a short India Ari uh, run in the Northeast with my friend Javier Colon. And after that, and then kind of COVID, it wasn't here yet. But then the holidays came, and then we found out we were pregnant. And COVID started to come, you know, around February March is when everybody started to get really scared, and then everything shut down in March. All the advice we were getting from friends was move near your family with when you have a kid because you're gonna want the help. We were in Greenwich, Connecticut at the time. Mm-hmm. So we packed everything up. We moved up to the Berkshires and uh, we didn't have a place to live. So we were at my parents' guest house or guest room. And I got an, a message on Instagram from Gabe Kunda, who is the bass singer in King's Return. Oh, okay. And he was like, Hey man, I heard some of your stuff through Brandon Williams, who is another Grammy nominated producer that I work with all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, I really like your stuff. Our, would you be into arranging for us we're we're a new group there's four of us and at the time all my studio gear was in storage and like I said we just moved up here I think mm. the baby was born at this point and right. the first few months I mean it's just insane but it was cool it was work and Gabe was awesome really nice and I saw how unbelievable those guys were yeah so I I see I said yeah what's the things like we want to do how deep is your love you know here's the form we want to do and I said okay great So I did the arrangement. I tend to lean, you know, complex with a lot of my stuff. So I gave my first arrangement, you know, it's easy to dial back. So I gave him a pretty crazy arrangement. And then he said, okay, can we change this part and maybe dial this part back and this and that. And after a few days, it was done. And I just did it on my little laptop with this little MIDI board that's right here, (laughs) which is a tiny little cheap MIDI board that I have at my parents' house. And then they sang it in, in a stairwell of a school which is they, it's, it's kind of their thing which is inc- it's really incredible because of the, Neil, the natural cool. reverb and all that yeah and it went kind of viral uh within the first couple of hours on twitter It had half a million views wow and then it jumped up to over a million by the next day mm-hmm. and then they said well this has got to go on our record they put it on the record and here we are today
0: that's wild i mean like we said it landed you a grammy nom which is huge this isn't yeah. your first nomination is it i think you've had a this couple is- in the past
1: no, this is my first Grammy nomination. I've, I've won some awards before, um, okay. but this is my first Grammy nomination. So it's, it's pretty special. And with those guys, I couldn't have picked a nice bunch of guys, an awesome, talented bunch of guys to, to kind of go through this journey with. It's, it's pretty awesome. I still have yet to meet them.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So, so I'll, you I'll haven't met the like, Grammys. I was going to say, so yeah, you haven't met in person. This has all been like remotely, yeah. the recording and stuff. Yeah. I'll
1: meet them at the Grammys. They're going to get in a couple of days early. I'm actually going next week for some events but i'm going to meet them finally we're going to go out to dinner or brunch or something and you know finally, i can't wait to hang out with those dudes they're the best
0: yeah well congratulations again on that that's really thank spectacular you. yeah best of so luck much. as well it. yeah
1: thank you so much so much it'd be fingers crossed long shot
0: fingers crossed <laughs> fingers crossed exactly yep. i kind of want to know too do you get a certain different feeling when you're arranging or producing for other artists as opposed to putting out your own music because you have released like a couple albums and eps here and there
1: for sure i have to always keep their voices in mind and their level of complexity in mind and Mm. and there's a lot of stuff you gotta you know i kind of like when they ask me the arrangement starts in my head and with their voices in mind so i kind of start with that when it's mine I don't, I have no boundaries. So I kind of go all in. It's, it's, mm. you know, it's, it, they can be super simple, super crazy. You know, it, it's, I don't overthink as much when they're my arrangements when they are other angels, I, 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 I'm, like I said, I'm a worrywart uh, earlier. I want it. I want them to love what I, what I did so much that I'm just like, okay. Let, let's, let's, you know, I spend so much time on, you know, one 10 second section just to make sure that it's what I can hear them singing. And yeah, for sure. You, I always like to, you know, I get a lot of requests. Can you write a song for so-and-so? And I'm like, yeah, I'd love to write a song with them. Cause I want to mm. get their, I want to know what they're all about and I want right. to get their input on everything. And so I love the art of collaboration um, because you really get, it really opens me up and, and help, you know, when I write stuff for somebody that I've never written for before, it's, it's something new to me. It's something that I always learned from and, and, you know, haven't done before. So it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, cool. no, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're also kind of used to having a lot of accolades and awards come your way like i was looking up your mm-hmm. debut album too and you know it came out in 20 in 2008 and you won a billboard songwriting award and you won the maxwell song of the year for one of those mm-hmm. nights so mm-hmm. i mean yeah, that are was you crazy. are you tired yet of like getting all this all this <laughs> accolades or you know are you just kind of like mm, you know it's whatever
1: like <laughs> no i i'm the opposite every time somebody says I like that song it makes me want to go write a better song it makes me want to work harder so that person likes my next 10 songs the grammy thing even though I've only been living with this nomination for a month and a half I'm like okay win or lose this has been incredible I I I gotta do this again I I I gotta do I I you know I kind of it's 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 tough to crack the recording academy as far as what's going to get in and not but it just makes me want to work with more people do more things and try new things it's I've always been a more ambitious I don't know what the term is, ambitious accolade receiver. I don't know if that's a thing, <laughs> right, but yeah, yeah. I, it it makes me more motivated. Uh, yeah. I get I get less motivated when I'm on of down. You know, if I'm not crazy busy, I'm kind of something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so the two year old actually helps my brain continue to go, which I love. And then, okay, she's napping. I got I got an hour to go do this, and I right, become yeah. a lot quicker since she was born. But <laughs> I, I need, it's kind of weird to say, but distraction, scatterbrain, all that stuff. I I kind of prefer that for some reason. I don't know why mm. it's always good to hunker down for a few hours and work on something, which I do constantly, but no, the, 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 the awards and stuff just makes me want to do it again. Uh, when yeah. I won the John Lennon award in 2000, whatever it was for my first record, mm. I continued to submit and I continued to throw songs at that John Lennon, you know, uh, songwriting contest. And I won again in 2017, so it just makes me want to keep going and do the yeah. next thing. And, okay, what's the next bigger thing? What's the next? Yeah. So it's always motivating to me.
0: Yeah. It's like hungry is the word you can describe. Feel. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Hungry. And the more that comes in, the more I want to give out and put out, <laughs> uh, especially I like to take advantage of these times, you know, like talking to you, like just, it's, it's pretty cool to just, just keep going and, and do more and more.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, kind of on that note too, about doing more, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody have this on their resume. But you've also written and had songs used by NASA.
1: Yeah, <laughs> super cool. Yeah, so that was, I don't know how it came about, actually. I just, it just got an email, I believe, from a guy that liked my music and Javier Colon, who was the season one winner of The Voice. And he's one of my best friends. So he was like, would you guys be into, you know, doing a collab? Was, and we were like, sure. Mm-hmm. So we wrote that and uh, we did a, 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 a for the um oh god i forgot what it's called
0: i think you had but, yeah one was like the moon phase yeah. video and you had the LR, right. lro project LRO, yeah. thank you yeah, yeah the
1: lro was the was the me and javier too more is the song and we recorded the video at all over new york and Connecticut. it was super cool super fun to do and then the the moon phase was they just took a song from my second record only human called mm. calling it a night and they used it and they just played it in the background they do those moon phases all the time so right i was pretty honored that Not only the first project, but that they wanted my tune for the next thing. Super, it's. I said super cool like four hundred times in this interview, in this fifteen minute interview so far. But I'm tired, very tired. But it's uh, it was awesome, man. And everybody over there is so awesome, and they still use the Moon and More at all their events, which that's awesome. So Yeah. yeah, it was it was fun. Like I said, I like writing music for everybody. I like producing music for. All sorts of things,
0: man. And I feel like that's a really big feather in your cap, too, to say you can have music that you've created that, you know, can go to this genre or this <clears> artist, <throat> like a Brian McKnight. And then you also have, yeah. you know, NASA, <laughs> which is just yep. very, very different ends of the spectrum, you could say. Sure, <laughs> sure.
1: And it stems, I think it stems from, like, when I said growing up, there was so many different styles of music in the house. Yeah. Um. So I think it stems, I love all music. I really do. I listen to everything. So... I am a music junkie and and I want to do it all and and it sounds very you know it might sound crazy and and it's and a lot of people advice would say no you got to pick a lane mm. but I haven't had to do that yet so maybe someday I will but so far I, I want to do it all I, I love I love uh, all styles of music
0: yeah and if it's working out in your favor I feel like you don't need to pick a lane either yeah, just keep going. I, I
1: I get a little more specific with my own music, I guess. It's R&B, jazz, uh, singer, yeah. songwriter, which is not specific at all. <laughs> but I I know what I want to put out. But when it comes to other people and other artists, it's just so much fun to, to, to bring stuff out of them and, and figure out exactly what they want to do and try to make that come to life.
0: Mm-hmm, definitely. Well, I mean, like we said, the Grammy nom is obviously a big highlight of your career thus far. But do you have any other highlights in your career that you can say thus far kind of stand out to you yeah
1: yeah so many playing with Stevie Wonder was a dream come true because he's my one of my heroes I played with Stevie on a television show it was surreal I I I was so nervous I didn't enjoy it until after because I just didn't want to play the wrong note you know kind of thing uh, playing with James Taylor a couple of times because he's another one of my musical heroes. I uh, played with him here at Tanglewood in the Berkshires once, um, at Harvard in Boston once, and once on Martha's Vineyard as well. Uh, just Dream Come True. The Christina Aguilera thing was Dream Come True. Singing a duet, like singing back on was one thing, but to be center stage with her holding hands and looking into her eyes and singing was crazy, you know, because <laughs> I, you know, grew up with her as a huge pop star. There's a lot that winning the John Lennon song was presented to me. The Maxwell Song of the Year was presented Brian McKnight show in Dallas um, when I was playing with him, he presented that to me. That was insane. The, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd have to look at my my uh, my resume, but those ones stick out for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Megan Hilty, everything I do with her is incredible. We did a PBS special a couple of years ago, and it was magical. And every once in a while, I see it on PBS when I'm flipping through the channels. She is just one of the best singers I've ever played piano for. Mm. um yeah there's a lot man there's a lot of them and and probably if you ask me this tomorrow i'm sure i'd probably pick five more that <laughs> are on my brain right now but those stick out to me playing with stevie is doesn't get any better than that for me you know yeah. he, he he was the guy that when i was a kid i used to go to the record stores and if i saw any stevie wonder album that i didn't have i would buy it mm. um i have literally like 60 stevie wonder seasons. a lot of them have the same songs and a lot of them are you know import but i i, I was
0: I, i'm still obsessed with steve so that that's was special. amazing yeah that's awesome very full circle it sounds oh i'll say this
1: uh, sorry to cut you off one of my dad's favorite songs is um irving berlin's uh, count your blessings instead of sheep mm-hmm. um from white christmas and, and I, I love that song as well too and i was able i got a chance to arrange that uh with the new york pops and that was a dream come true i want to do more of that um and i don't mm-hmm. read music so i got to sit and say here's what i would do and they kind of notated it out it's pretty cool so yeah there's been a lot man and, that, and i'm sure as this conversation goes i'll think of another one but yeah i don't take any one of those uh moments for granted big or small
0: right no that's awesome yeah so what do you have aside from obviously getting ready to, for the grammys and meeting the guys that you worked with the person Do you have any other projects currently in the works that you can talk about tons um yeah i'm uh currently working on my third record which i only have a couple more songs to
1: record should be out in the uh, early fall late summer early fall area Uh, i'm very excited about that record and i am producing man about four records right now uh one for my hero one of my heroes Arnold. yeah man it's crazy i've been i've been pretty busy uh one for my a dear friend and a, a, a musical hero of mine arnold mcculler who is um one of the most renowned singers in the business for the last 50 years. I'm producing a Bill Withers tribute album with some incredible artists on it, but that doesn't start till the spring. Mm. I'm touring with Dave Coz, who is, you know, an 11 time Grammy nominee, saxophone jazz, uh, jazz saxophonist. So uh, I'm going on his Dave Coz cruise. I'm not a cruise guy, but I will <laughs> never say no to this cruise. It's incredible. It's fun. Right. The musicians are insane. It's yeah, it's just the best. So they we're going uh, to Spain and Portugal in April or the beginning of May, April, May, whatever, somewhere around now, I don't even know my, what I'm doing tomorrow. Um, and I just finished up a couple tunes for um, some Lifetime movies. I just finished mixing a couple of things for Comedy Central, tons of collaborations, but yeah, I'm working with one of the kids that was just a top eight American Idol. I'm producing a couple songs for him. So yeah, a lot Damn. of work. I'm so excited about my record too. I should be pushing that more. I just released a single actually. Oh on wow! Martin Luther King Day. Which I forgot. I forgot that I released a single the other day. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, it's my social justice single that I did with a couple of my friends, Jarrett Johnson and C. Red, uh, some unbelievably talented uh, musicians. And uh, yeah, I'm 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 busy, which I'm happy about.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I wouldn't expect anything else from you, from what I'm getting. It sounds like you like <laughs> <Thank> it. You.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, like I said, I need it. I need it because if I'm if I'm not working, then something's
0: wrong. No, I feel that. Well, Matt, thank yeah. you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Why don't you let people know where Absolute they can? pleasure. Yeah, l- why don't let people know where they can keep up with you on social media and your website and things like that?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, all the social media is at Matt Cusan uh, on Instagram, Twitter. Um, I am on TikTok. I just have not used it yet, but I got to get better at that because I hear that's the that's winning right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Facebook is slash Matt Cuson. Um, all my music is wherever you buy, listen, stream music. Uh. It's there and new record will be out this summer. I have another single coming out in uh, March, April area. Yeah. Co- and contact me, hit me up, uh, stay in touch. I love talking to people.
0: Awesome. Love that. Matt Kusan.
1: is the website too. Yeah. I'm so bad at this. I'm so bad at promoting my stuff. <laughs> that's
0: yeah. what we're so, here for. Mac-Huson that's what, yep.
1: If you didn't ask, <laughs> if you didn't ask, I wouldn't have said a thing. So <laughs> I appreciate you having me, man. I appreciate it a lot. This was, was fun.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. I don't know how else to start this conversation by saying what I said before we started recording is that I think, Alex, you're more prepared to talk about Sam Smith's new album than I am. Just given the fact and the impression that you've gave me is that you've been a huge fan of Sam's for a while, haven't you?
2: Absolutely. Um, ever since I mean, I think I discovered Sam when most people discovered them, which was when um Stay With Me came out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, huge song, pretty different from anything they put out like now. But yeah, that's where it started for me. And latch with disclosure, that was another big song for me.
0: Yeah, totally. And like I was just watching their music videos for Gloria, like the fourth album that just came out this past month. And it is really different from when sam smith burst out in like 2014 i think it was like you know stay with me was still very it was like a reserve song but he kind of caught or they kind of caught people's attention because he or they had this knack for like vocal layering which is something that a lot of artists have done but sam did it in a way that was really interesting and just like caught a lot of people's ear and he's they're still doing like that kind of stuff on this album but now he's even more eccentric he's more they're more just open with their sexuality like that's all stuff too that like we'll get into on this album but i agree like sam smith is nowhere where they were when they first like started
2: absolutely and I, i think when they first came on the scene too like um sam's voice is just like so incredible and um like the range the power and they said like a lot of their influences were huge like um female artists growing up which um really kind of played in like the songs that they were singing were like Whitney Houston songs and like Mariah Carey and um huge fans of both uh so like those influences definitely show in their vocal style as well
0: and something else that really to kind of kick it off with talking about Gloria It's kind of like a genre hopping album. Like Sam has always kind of been in that wheelhouse of like soul, R and B. But this album in particular, like there's a couple songs that are, are a little bit more like club friendly, a little bit more like dance vibey. And for some weird reason, I like listen to the album every time and it still all makes sense to me. Like you would think with all these different sounds that the
2: album isn't cohesive, but I would say it's pretty cohesive, right? yes and i think especially when you look at um the common like there's a lot of religious undertones to it there's very a lot of gospel undertones like a lot of choirs are used in different places that you wouldn't normally expect um but then lyrically it's very cohesive as well going together with like the themes of self love and um like reflecting on experiences and yeah so it does feel very cohesive in a way even though it's so diverse sonically
0: mm-hmm. yeah i agree and the one song that i mean everyone knows because it blew up on tiktok like it hit number one on the billboard now it's nominated for a grammy which is wild like unholy with kim petris that was the one song that it's just it doesn't really fit on the album in the sense that it sounds like anything else like it does it literally stands out but not and like he was they were really smart at weaving it into the set list or into the track list because it comes off of perfect which is a duet with Jesse Ray's and it's like very low and very kind of introspective and then all of a sudden it just fades into unholy which is like very in your face and very very loud but it's just like it works it's so weird like I don't know
2: how it just I don't know it's just it works it works <laughs> that that transition from perfect to unholy needs to be like studied like that was <laughs> I don't know how they did that like um because you're right it was like a valid out of nowhere you just hear like mm, and then it escalates into it and then you're like that's how it fits <laughs> in okay that works
0: <laughs> yeah exactly like I literally I think I said the exact same thing I was like whoa like that kind of works because then it goes up in that kind of energy and tone and then it goes back down i think with Lucy, like right after or there might be another song before that actually but it was just like it—it it is an exclamation point on the album but it comes so like early on still like it's only like the fourth or fifth track like we still got a whole other half to go
2: i know i i genuinely wondered like hearing that song one if there were going to be others like it because i feel like it's a very big song, very big earworm, but I feel like it's very unique to anything that we've ever heard. Like, mm-hmm. um, so I was like, I was really wondering if we were gonna hear more of that, or if we were going to, um, you know, that was gonna be its own special thing, which it ended up being. And then you're right, like right after that, it kind of dropped off. That transition was wasn't like as like seamless, but it was like, yeah, just a huge shift. Yeah, and I think another
0: reason that it flows so well, the whole album, is the interludes that they throw in in between a couple of the songs. I think that's something we're starting to see more and more with artists and albums nowadays, like interludes kind of trying to help keep the energy and the flow going more smoothly. And there were a couple on here, like even, you know, I think it's, yeah, Gimme into I'm Not Here to Make Friends. There's like a slight interlude, I think, at the very end of Gimme, I want to say. And also, that coupled with, and this is something I'm really curious to ask your opinion on. Coupled with, like, you know, the two of the three Jesse Ray's, like, collabs, it just, that part really flowed really well. Do we know if they're, like, friends or something? Cause I was like, Jesse must be getting a pretty good payout from doing this album.
2: <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, I, bu- I believe Sam, like, has, Kind of praised Jesse and her music before, and so I I think that was more of like I'm a fan of you, you're a fan of me, like let's work together, and um, yeah, and I love that Jesse makes appearances on multiple songs on the album, and there are ones where her voice fits in very well in her vibe, and um, like you said on Give Me the Hook, like that couldn't have been delivered a way that Jesse can deliver that, so I I thought that that was excellent.
0: Mm-hmm. And that song, I kid you not, has been stuck in my head. I was really trying not to get stuck in my head, but it's so easy. Um, mm-hmm. And that song, too, has a little bit of like an Afrobeat component to it. It also features Coffee, the rapper. Um, and that's something we don't really hear Sam's voice on too much either. That kind of like island kind of vibe, you know, his voice fit really well. I was like shocked at how well. I guess, like, when you sum it up, Gloria's full of like a lot of surprises. because as I'm talking it out more, I'm like, yeah, I was surprised by this. I'm surprised by that.
2: Yeah. And then also on gimme, like Sam didn't try to like change their voice or sort of style or anything. Like it was really just like um, Sam did their thing. Like Jesse did her thing. Coffee did their thing. And like, mm-hmm. it was just incredible all around. And um coffee's fit extremely well too. Um, I really thought that that style was great for that. Mm-hmm. And then, Yeah, Dorothy's interlude, like, it sounds just like kind of flipping through channels to something that eventually leads into like, um, the beginning of I'm not here to make friends with the RuPaul sample, and it it flowed right into it. And I thought that was really cool. I thought it was
0: interesting, too. And I'm not sure if you've seen the video, I watched the video before this, but they use it at the beginning of the video, too. And there's also there's a video for both of those songs. So I kind of like how you know sam and this is something else i think a lot of artists are doing now they're creating that cohesive image not only just audibly like listening to the album they're doing it visually like whether it's like visuals or videos like i think in the videos too they used a lot of like the similar similar actors and Mm -hmm. it's just like you're creating an image like i said in both those regards which i think is something that's you know it's fantastic because it kind of creates a more holistic approach for the listeners but then you're also you know gaining a new insight on the art through watching something or listening to something
2: exactly and I think that I mean obviously like as pop stance, we love content um but like it's um it just creates an entire vibe for the era it helps more into perspective the vision that the artist was trying to create too by providing music videos live performances like um yeah I just think it is the best way to create a full um interactive era and yeah I just think it's awesome and
0: I'm from watching these videos too I never realized how eccentric Sam Smith actually is like you might know about this more because you've kept up with them longer than I have but I'm watching like you know unholy and I'm watching not here to make friends and I'm like he they really are like very he's very coy and very eccentric with you know his clothes or their clothes or their presentation of themselves and i read in like an interview too that i think it was about gimme and saying how he's a sexual person he's trying to get more comfortable with his sexuality and things like that and i'm like <laughs> now knowing that and then watching last, listening to these songs i'm like yep i see it i see it
2: so this is like relatively New actually, because like in the past, you know, this is the first album we've had since Sam discovered or came forward with their non-binary identity mm-hmm. and you know, forward with um their sexuality side of themselves. And because before I think they were known as like a crooner, you know, when we were talking about stay with me, how that was such a different style, like um way too good for goodbyes, that song. Like all of that was just kind of standing in front of the microphone and singing and you know pouring emotion yes but like this is kind of the first time we've seen all different sides like they're becoming a pop diva kind of and that's just kind of what we want to see like uh, um the fashion and everything i i love it um in the video (laughs) i'm not here to make friends like the big pink coat Mm -hmm. and um they wore it on snl they did on holy and um, for Kim Petris's verse, the dress opens and she's just sitting under it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. I I don't know. I I I just love the the confidence and the new stylistic approach being exuded this era.
0: No, I agree. It's definitely making a statement. And a big component of Gloria too that I caught with Sam's interpretation of the album is it's really like a coming of age type album or coming to realization. And this was something that I was really interested in, I was listening really closely to the last two songs, just Gloria and We Love Who We Love, um, or Who We Love. And Gloria is just, you know, a straight up gospel song with like a choir and Sam singing over it. So it's like Gloria is kind of like reaching a type of salvation and realization. Yeah. And then when that transitions into Who We Love with Ed Sheeran, it's like that acceptance factor of just being... Comfortable with your sexuality and comfortable with you are and I I kid you not I was writing it out my notes and I like looked back and I was like He definitely did he did that on purpose that had to be intentional like that was that was what he was what they're aiming for you know
2: Like Gloria being at the very end of the album too, like, you know after all this because um, Sam said in an interview that Gloria kind of represents this more feminine energy that they're letting letting release from them and so for Gloria, towards the very end, my my high school choir actually did that song. That's why I first heard it. Um, but um, kind of introducing Gloria and saying, you know, this is for Gloria and then going into Who We Love. I feel like that was, that placement kind of represents acceptance of this new identity and, um, or not new identity, but, you know, the one that was within. And um, yeah, and then Who We Love, I, I just thought that that was, beautiful with Ed Sheeran on it too um saying like you know it's I feel like kind of a generic message with the queer community but like love who you love but then the way that they did that is you know they talked about all the beautiful things that come with love and they said like it's not wrong to want the world for someone was one of the lyrics like I I don't know I think the way that they executed that showed the meaning behind the album perfectly
0: Mm -hmm. And I think it's even more telling when you have an artist like Ed Sheeran, who one is already so well established and is like a massive artist. And two, you know, not to assume, but I'm pretty sure he identifies as straight or heterosexual. So it's like, when you kind of have that coupling too of a non binary artist and a straight artist, singing about, you know, love is love, it just makes it even more powerful. So I I really loved and appreciated that as well. I thought it was good. Absolutely.
2: Every, every community, you know, can fight their battles on their own, but it, but to make, you know, to kind of get the message across, you need allies too, you know, and you need people who are going to speak up for you while you're speaking up for yourself. And then, you know, that's kind of how you spread acceptance. And mm-hmm. so I, I really think that that's a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah. And I think that's what Sam is trying to get out with the album too. Like it's kind of, you know, like we're saying like this coming of age journey or having this aspect of Gloria that they've always kind of felt coming into fruition. I think that's the goal with the music is to spread that like grander message of acceptance and saying, you know, I am who I am. You can be who you are and we won't have any issues, you know, let's just coexist.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Did you have any favorite moments on the album, like favorite tracks or anything else that stood out? one that
2: actually stood out to me was six shots mm. um because that song I I mean you know I love RB music but also like so it had kind of an r undertone but um Sam was kind of talking about how they're very open to having like a physical relationship in order to kind of heal pain but they're very very not open to like love or intimacy mm. um in that sense and like um, they keep repeating, there's no loving me. I don't know. I I thought it was lyrically complex almost, but so even though when it when it started, I was like, oh, is this is gonna be like a you know, bedroom burner. But like, yeah, it it ended up taking on a bunch of different meanings as the song went on. Yeah.
0: And the literally the only way I described that song in my notes were sultry, silky, smooth, much like the subject matter. Because it was just it was like <laughs> it was a clever, it was a clever way of literally almost covering up what you were saying but being very coy about it I guess you could say yeah like like he had come to my room but like I'm in there but like come here you know (laughs) yeah he's very like I said they're very coy about that kind of stuff but it's it's just very it's so interesting to analyze like how Mm -hmm. Sam Smith like we said has kind of made this overarching career shift from being like a crooner like you said to being very like sexually explicit and just Full blown, wearing you know giant pink gowns and having people come out from under it, (laughs) like yeah, (laughs) it's wild. It's wild. I really liked too. Um, like perfect was a really good one. I also really liked no god, and like Mm -hmm. the first two songs, no god and love me more. Kind of to me at least, when I first heard them, were more of like a nineties R and B type vibe. And I liked no god because I think it has like a catchy hook and chorus. And he does a lot of like acapella and like vocal harmonizing with himself, like I've mentioned before. Um, and I thought it was like a good track to kind of ease into the rest of the album and also present that component of like, we're going back to the the self journey and having that self-realization of being like, you know, you're no God, you're no teacher. So I'm going to do it myself, essentially, or I'm going to teach myself.
2: Yeah. And you know, this wouldn't this could really be sung to any close-minded person in general. Like I, I think a lot of people like to be very stubborn in their viewpoints for like, you know, either seeking control or like just wanting to get a rise out or just like straight up wanting to be right. And this is kind of saying, you know, this kind of humbles that person. And so I think there is something kind of powerful about them singing this over such like a slow beat so calmly. Mm -hmm. i I think that that really got the message across very well
0: Mm -hmm. i agree i agree it's kind of like presenting a similar message but in different contexts each time yeah this is another thing that you also might have more insight on alex because like we've said you're such a big sam smith fan and you've been following them for so long i didn't realize at least with gloria and leading up to the release of the album sam was very open with fans like i think they write a lot on their website like they put out journals every season and also the instagram post that he had or they had when gloria came out was also very telling and very open is that something that sam has always been like very open with the fans and saying like this is what the album is this is kind of what you can expect
2: more so over time i would say and Mm -hmm. i think that that is just kind of a big, beautiful way to bring in insight. I didn't see the Instagram post personally, but like, um, I'm going to have to after, but (laughs) yeah, no, Sam Sam is very open in terms of their creative process and what inspires them to put out a song or a body of work. And um, also very open with like different processes. Like a, a lot of times we'll get random songs before an album, before, they have an album finished because, you know, they just want to share that process. Like Love Me More was the first song that was released of this entire thing. And um, I think that that set the tone in such a good way. It kind of showed what place they were in. I think it was a year ago it was released. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, from there we got Unholy, obviously. And um, then Gimme. And then just last week they put out Gloria, Mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, I feel like to the general public might be odd as like a standalone single, but I feel like that was a great way to introduce the album too, by putting out just that interlude a week early. (laughs) And I I don't know, it kind of got me really excited, but yes, they are very vulnerable and open about their process. And I think that that's great for an artist fan connection.
0: Yeah, definitely. It definitely opens up that connectivity aspect. And I mean, Gloria, from reading this description, I have it in my hands from the Instagram post. Gloria is one of those albums that in two ways, you can kind of say we're a long time coming, like both in a career professional way for Sam and their fans, but also on a personal level. Cause Sam literally wrote that if if he literally wrote, I've been working my whole life to put this album out or something like this album. And that goes back to us talking about Gloria and the whole concept of this kind of coming to a higher acceptance and realization in it of yourself. And it's just, you're just gonna have to listen to it so i mean alex thank you so much again i've had you on so many times on the podcast it's always a pleasure when i get to have you come on and talk about somebody that you
2: also really love so thank you so much thank you for having me david it's always always a great time talking to you um probably see you again in the future <laughs> oh yeah you'll be back alex is always back everybody <laughs>
1: <laughs> gimme give gimme give gimme give gimme 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 gimme
0: and that's the rotated review want to join me for the next review send in your suggestions to theonrotationpodcast at gmail.com you can also connect with me on twitter facebook or instagram make sure you hit that follow button while you're at it to read this review fully See my blog or listen to past episodes. Log on to onrotationpodcast.wordpress.com. Now it's time to take a look at what popped this week in news. The Jonas Brothers received the 2,745th star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame on Monday, January 30th. During the celebration, Nick Jonas said the band's next album, called The Album, will be released on May 5th and be followed by a tour. It will feature a modernized 70s pop and Americana elements, according to NPR. Beyonce announced the dates for her Renaissance World Tour in support of her seventh studio album, Renaissance. The tour will feature 48 shows across the globe, starting Wednesday, May 10th in Stockholm, Sweden. Billboard predicts the tour will become Beyonce's highest-grossing tour thus far. And the nominees for the 2023 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are in. Nominees include Kate Bush, Shale Crow, Iron Maiden, Cyndi Lauper, Willie Nelson, The White Stripes, and Missy Elliott who is the first female rapper to be nominated. The final class will be revealed in May. That's gonna do it for this episode. Feel free to tune in next time when we rotate through a whole new slew of topics with all new guests. In the meantime, keep it real, y'all.